Joining us now, we have Dr. Bob Jones the Fourth. Good morning, Doctor. Good morning. How are you guys? We're doing good, Doctor. All right. How are you doing this morning? Everything going well? Everything is going great. Just had a wonderful morning. The only downside to my morning is that I am at home outside of Atlanta instead of getting ready to go watch the third round of the Masters. Yeah, yeah, it's just awful. <laughs> it's just uh, we were we were just talking to one of the sports writers, Ron Green Jr., and he said the same thing. It's just it just doesn't feel the same at all. No, no, it really it really does not. I mean, I actually had to um, just just work from home this week it's just been a strange experience so yeah you know and it's interesting i saw a thing the other day and this is a little known fact about your grandfather is that he actually you know we we know he retired from playing competitive golf and that you know he was involved in starting the masters and he played 12 times i don't i don't think i even knew that he played in the tournament 12 times he did. He did. In fact, he, he played in it uh, very reluctantly. Uh, he did not really want to. He felt that his time as a competitive golfer had long since come to an end. But Cliff Roberts kind kind of put the squeeze on him a little bit and said, look, now, Bob, uh, you're the host of the event, and you really need to do that, and you really need to play, and particularly in those in those early years. Because, you know, in those early years, it was really hard to get crowds. And, in fact, it remained a difficult thing to get crowds at the Masters until Palmer in about 1960. So um, my grandfather's presence in the tournament field really went a long way to support the game. Yeah, did you, did you ever get to see him play in it? No, 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 I never did. By the time uh, I was born, my grandfather's spinal illness mm-hmm. was already so far progressed mm. that uh, his playing days were, oh gosh, at least 11 years behind him by the time I was born. Wow. Yeah, and, and you know, and, yeah. and, and it's going to be unique. We we actually spoke to uh, Hardy Davis Jr., the mayor of Augusta, a little bit earlier in the show, and uh, sure, talking about you know, hopefully that the November time frame does come to fruition, and and we're we're back to semi normalcy by then, and uh, it's it's going to be a really really unique event at that point, don't you think? I do, and I and I and I really, you know, I really have to commend the the club for deciding to go ahead and host the tournament uh, in November, even though it means they're going to have to turn around roughly six months right. or five months later and do it again. But I think it's really great because, you know, it's funny if the Masters were held in a city the size of Atlanta or the city the size of Charlotte. Um, whether it's played or not, in the long run, isn't going to affect the economy of sure. a city that size. Sure. But for a city the size of Augusta, it's everything. And all, yeah. oh, it is. It absolutely is. And I just think it's a wonderful thing, especially right before Christmas time, to uh, host the tournament. And even though it does mean uh, turning around just a few months later and doing it all over again. Uh, I think it's a really great thing that that uh, Chairman Ridley and that the club is doing. Yeah, yeah. So, so Doc, what what is your first memory of going to Augusta, uh, Augusta National, and uh, and and witnessing the Masters and the event that it was or is, I should say. Well, the first time I went was in 1970, and um, 
uh, I was 12 years old. Back then, Cliff had a rule that nobody under 12 could attend the Masters because he just didn't like the unseemliness of children running around the course. Fortunately, that has changed. Yeah. But at, uh, So I went there at 12, o'clock, uh, at 12 years old, and I walked out of the clubhouse, out, out of the Jones cabin, excuse me, at uh, 6 o'clock on a Sunday morning, and the grounds crew was out mowing everything. There was nobody there. I looked up to the right and saw the clubhouse, and I looked over that vista uh, uh, of the golf course, and I had never really fully appreciated my grandfather as golfer before. And I looked at that property, and all of a sudden it hit me that, my God, this had existed in my grandfather's mind before a spade of dirt had ever been turned over on the property. Incredible. And it just blew me away. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. Yeah. The other memory I have is is, is not quite as uh, profound. My father and I that year had bought um, a matching pair of uh, cobalt blue double-knit pants, which were the rage back in 1970. (laughs) We bought them at the same day, same shop, same everything. And uh, I was out watching the practice round on Tuesday. Dad was down getting ready. He was an official. Uh, he was an official that week. Uh, I watched the tournament, uh, the round on Tuesday. Uh, same with Wednesday. Finally, we got to the weekend, and Dad and I are out there in our matching blue cobalt double knit pants. <laughs> and uh, I'm coming back from on number nine, and I dropped my pairing sheet, and I reached over to pick it up, and my pants split from the belt <laughs> down to the to the bottom. Nice. And my father, I went over, to, I went in, changed my pants, went down to fifteen, found my dad who's standing there. He said, what happened to your pants? And I said, well, I said, they split, Dad. And he said, oh, good Lord. He said, you're eating too much food. You're just getting too fat. (laughs) And at that time, George Archer hit his tee shot into a box of chicken (laughs) on 15. And he called for my father to give a ruling. And Dad walked over and uh, bent over to give uh, George Archer a ruling right as CBS went live (laughs) on TV and uh, went to 15, and my dad bent over, and his uh, cobalt blue double-knit pants uh, split in the exact same way, only his did it on national television. <laughs> well, I'm, it's a great, a great story. Well, wait it's a minute. a great story, wait, well, well, Was there a joke by you because the ball happened to be he was bending over to a box of chicken? I mean, you had to say something at that point. If you knew my father very well, you would know that that was probably not the time for the <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, we might have seen the first murder committed on CBS during the Masters. So. Oh, man. All right. So the next question I got to ask you relative to yeah. your profession being a clinical sports psychologist at the Behavioral Institute of Atlanta, you know, Rory McIlroy is one of the is is you know one of the best players in the world right now and we know his debacle years ago at Augusta National. You know, in your professional opinion, when he comes back onto the grounds of Augusta National and tees it up at, at the Masters, is there something somewhere in that head of his that is preventing him from having success at this tournament because you would feel like on the surface that the his, golf course game, sets up perfectly his, for him. And vice versa. I mean, his game is totally about Augusta National. You know, that's that's a hard question uh, to answer because it, it, it 
forces me to kind of uh, make uh, a, a professional judgment on somebody that I've never seen. Right. right but yeah. I'll give it. A, but but having said that, that's uh, of course never stopped me before. <laughs> I think I think any time that you have dramatic episodes like that. Or like uh, Greg Norman's uh, yeah. performance in uh, what was that ninety two? Yes, yes. Or somewhere no, in ninety six. Ninety six. Ninety six. Yeah. Ninety six. Yeah. That's right. Whenever you have something like that, of course it does leave some type of a scar. And uh, I think here's the way I would say it. I think unless it's really worked out with somebody that uh, knows how to deal with that, the kind of trauma that occurs um, from an event like that certainly can leave um, a, a lingering scar that that come that comes up when you play when you play there. Doug Sanders says to this day there isn't a day that goes by that he doesn't think about that missed three foot putt in the British Open yeah. over fifty years ago. Yeah. So I think that's, that, that it would. Whether that affects him negatively or not, I think, has to do with uh, his overall psychological health. And I think from watching Rory play, uh, I would have to say his psychological health and his physical health sure look to be pretty good. Yeah, I, I would imagine Scott Hoke is the same situation as, as oh, yeah. you know, I mean, oh, goodness yeah. gracious. That was such a, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying any putt's easy to win the Masters, but... And that was that was kind of uphill and just I mean I, he just he just missed it and I'm sure he thinks about that every day, Doctor. Oh, I'm sure he would. I mean, think of it this way: in 1926, my grandfather had won the British Open. Mm -hmm. He came back and was playing in the United States Open in Scioto, and uh, he stood on the uh, 72nd green at, in Columbus at Scioto, and he had a foot and a half putt that he had to make to win the tournament. And he got over the putt, and he said to himself, I wonder what would happen if I missed this thing. Wow. And then he, he said, well, that's crazy, and he backed off. He backed off, took a nice deep breath, got up again, and then made the putt. But here's the question. What if he had gotten back up and missed the putt? Would he, um, would he have gone on to win the Grand Slam mm. in 1930? Right. It's a great question. Yeah, it is. I think from a psychological point of view, one of the things that we don't realize is that when you go through a situation like that and you go through it in public, you have experienced something that is very traumatic. For an athlete, that would be the equivalent for a non-athlete of being in a serious car accident. Mm. And isn't it funny that when we talk about things like Rory McIlroy's um, uh, performance on number 10 a few years ago, or Greg Norman in 96, how is it we often refer to it? We call it a car wreck. Right. Mm -hmm. Isn't it funny that we actually use that phrase? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and, and from a psychological perspective, it has to be treated the same way and once that it, I would treat trauma. And, Doctor, once it gets into the subconscious, isn't it more longer lasting anyway? I mean, I would think that would be from a psychological standpoint. <sighs> I think the effect of it is, I mean, there are certainly physiological reasons why that would sure. happen, but considering that I don't want your audience going to sleep, I'll spare <laughs> those now. But there definitely are physiological reasons why an event like that stays in the memory and just mm. replays like a loop in the brain, wow. very definitely, oh, very yeah. definitely. Yeah.
So, so um, obviously, uh, with a, with a lot of sporting events uh, on hold or canceled at this point, uh, you know, it's uh, people might not be seeking as much uh, assistance as they usually do. But you know, we are going to get back to normal at some point here in the next month, two months, and uh, it seems like that you know, on a professional sports level and even on an amateur sports level, there's going to be a, a lot of activity that's that's kind of pushed into a small amount of time. So, you know, your phone could be ringing off the hook. I mean, how do people get in touch with you? Well, the best way to get in touch with me is you can reach me on the Behavioral Institute website, which is B-I-A Georgia, spelled out, B-I-A-Georgia.com, and you'll find my webpage uh, on there. You'll see, just go to staff and then go down to Dr. Robert Jones, and they can find me very, very easily. Very nice. Uh, well, you know, or just Google me. They, uh, yeah. yeah, Dr. Bob Jones the Fourth. What uh, a powerful so. thing to be able to say. Just Google me. <laughs> <laughs> it is. So, so, Doctor, I'm, I'm assuming you're going to be uh, you're all in to be there in November, and uh, you know, people can uh, if they Google you and they and they know what you look like, they can certainly find you uh, wandering the uh, the rolling hills of Augusta National in November. Then. No question about it. And, you know, fortunately, they'll find me on Google and not in the, on, on the wall in the United States Post Office. So that's good. That's a, that is a good thing. Thanks a yes, lot. Yeah, thanks a lot for coming on. And uh, maybe we'll touch base with you again as we get closer to November and the, uh, and the Masters. Anytime, guys. Always enjoy it. Thank Thank, you, thanks a lot.